Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Now that marijuana is legal, can we expect to see the governor smoking a joint? Time will tell. Really? You're open to it? Not right now, but we'll see. There's a lot of really important components to it. A big piece of this is um, it, it wants to address social equity um, kind of problems that have been created by the war on drugs. So an important first step is going to be creating a social equity council. Back in 2017, you had expressed concerns about the membership of the all-white Bailey's Beach Club, said that you hoped it would become more diverse. Now your family's been members, your wife is one of the largest shareholders. Has there been any traction in that? Are there any minority members of the club now? I think the people who are running the place are still working on that. And I'm sorry it hasn't happened yet. Your thoughts on an elite, all-white, wealthy club, again, in this day and age, um, you know, should these clubs continue to exist? It's a long tradition in Rhode Island, and there are many of them. Can you describe what safeguards the administration has in place to make sure that the children of top officials don't get preferential treatment in hiring? Uh, we have the highest ethical standards of any administration in history. A number of ethics officials have conveyed that. And this is the most diverse administration in American history. <laughs> you ever get the feeling like you're not part of the club, Alice? <laughs> like perhaps there are elite circles um, in which <clears throat> one does not have to comply by the rules one sets for general society. And uh, yes, you can talk a good game about equity and this and that, but you take care of their friends, the kids of the staff, if you work in the White House, make sure they're all taken care of. And when somebody asks you about it, you have the audacity to talk about the diversity Mm -hmm. in the administration, which is more than offensive, it's obscene, it's disconnected. 
Um, it's a. It's not even. It's not even so much that it's a diversion that pisses me off. Are you typing to me? No, oh. I am looking up the story so that I can speak more intelligently on it. Okay. Um, and this is a bunch of staffers for Biden. Got- no, I know the story roughly. I just so, want it in front of me. So it is like for her to say for her to say that in straight face is. is I mean, it's it's pure double uh, speak. It's purely cynical. It's um, it tears at the civil discourse of the country. Well, right, because this is the same stuff that we were told was so terrible that the Trump administration was doing. Then he had Ivanka there and Jared, and it was, um, you know, nepotism and awful. And well, no, everybody I, I, I also, benefiting. you know what? I'm not even talking about the patronage jobs. Mm-hmm. To me, that's fine. That's, that's, that's normal. That's, 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 well, we do live in Massachusetts. We're used well, to that. Well, that's the filth of Washington D.C. <laughs> I expect that. Mm-hmm. It's her explanation. The fact that she is trying to bat it away by with her, everything she said is pure grade A horse bleep agate prop. Right. Everything she said. Let's listen to what she says again. Can you describe what safeguards the administration has in place to make sure that the children and the fact that the media took her answer and said, "Oh, okay, satisfactory." Most ethical in history. Yep. Of top officials don't get preferential treatment in hiring. Sure. Uh, well, let me say first that uh, we have the highest ethical standards of any administration in history. Number of ethics officials have conveyed that. So that needs to be challenged right there. Mm-hmm. Because that is whole cloth BS. Well, yeah, and there they might have some ethics people that are saying it's fine, but there are also ethics people raising questions well, right now about the hiring of their but also friends kids. They may have the highest ethical standards uh, at a, posted at HR. Doesn't mean they're complying by abiding by them. Mm-hmm. In fact, they're not abiding by them. This year, the patronage jobs thing. Remember, we were told that Biden was better than this, and this is what you were saying earlier, but. In in where she goes next, this is where the redirection for the media. No, noted experts, ethical esper- experts, mm-hmm. D.C. swamp creatures who <laughs> we just had lunch with at the Capitol Grill, in other words. Noted experts have said that we're really ethical. Do you understand? And we're really diverse. Do you understand? The diversity counts. Diversity counts. That's what you write down in your little book, young lady. That's what you'll take down. That I want to see that in your lead. That's what she's saying. Um, and we're proud of that. We have also uh, staffed up at an unprecedented pace, and that and this is the most diverse administration in American history. So we certainly expect that. The most adverse, diverse administration in American history. Yeah. Now, they're leading with all of their diversity, and that is the main requirement. That is the prerequisite to getting a job in this White House, that you have to fit. Your skin color has to match. Your gender has to match mm-hmm. uh, what they're trying to look for. Not to so fend many white-passing Right, to fend people. off, to fend off uh, you know, the woke auditors. Um, but I don't even know if you can prove that. If they, if it, they really are the most diverse, I don't know that they are the most diverse. Who knows? Mm-hmm. And they don't know, but they're saying it. And these guppies in the media are just swilling it all up. Okay, okay. Well, yeah. Any word on if they're paying men and women in the administration? Great equally? question, Alice. And those are questions that used to be asked back when the Democratic press were people like Jake Tapper and Jonathan mm-hmm. Carl. The days I now pine for. Everyone will abide by those high th- ethics standards. That applies in how we operate. It also applies in how hiring is done. Okay, so I gave you a nice, clean, concise answer. 
and I, I cited experts, not by name, of course, and I told you how diverse we are, and I told you we're very proud of that. So there you go. You've got everything you need to in that package of what I've given you. I've given you the action items. I've given you citation. I've given you a quote about how we feel about the job we're doing. Take that. That's your story. Do you understand, Press? Yes, we understand, Mrs. Pisaki. You understand. <laughs> but it's just Is incredible. Your, did your mom bake us cookies again? Because the Washington Post reported this week that the Biden administration has already in this first whatever five months hired five children of Biden's top officials and advisors, at least that they know of off the top of their head in the Washington Post. One official has three of his four kids also working for Mm -hmm. the White House. Uh, That's a. A White House counselor has two sons and one daughter working for the Biden administration. Also, the daughter of a deputy White House chief of staff and the daughter of the director of presidential personnel, which personnel to me, like red flags, would tell me that that person has some control over hiring. And Mm -hmm. uh, that person's daughter is also hired. That's like kind of red flaggy to me. So why nobody followed up with this question and pushed Jen harder on it and said, like, really, nobody else was qualified except the children of people that were already working right. for him. I mean, this is Obama administration officials who are calling this out and saying this is inappropriate. This isn't like some Republican talking point. This is the Washington Post and Obama people. But we knew that this was going to be happening. I mean, Biden is an old school backslapping horse trading senator. Mm-hmm. He's going to take care of a big donor's kids. He's This is old school. And this is not just Democrats. This is old school. Republicans do it, too. I worked with an idiot in radio who he and his three brothers got hired by the by the uh, by the uh, administration, the governor in Massachusetts. And, you know, and they're Republicans. And this is this is this kind of thing is happens in politics. And it's dirty, but it, it happens. They consider it a built in perk when they get there. Mm-hmm. And Biden, especially, you knew this is a guy who's not going to finish out his term. It's doubtful it'll finish out his term. They knew that he's going to stay long enough to make the appointments, to pay old political debts, and take care of his buddies. And this is what he's doing. So what's great, what's wonderful is, no, it's not wonderful. What's <laughs> horrific is that the media, who convinced themselves that the B- B- Biden being ascended here was the writing of the ship, is choosing not to see that what we're seeing here is the old-fashioned kind of corruption. This Mm -hmm. is old school corruption. This is what it looks like done politely with a suit and tie sent using all the right Washington parlance. And though it's not said with a Queen's accent with a guy with Mm -hmm. crazy hair, (laughs) it's just as 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 corrupt as anything else. But doesn't that just tell you that their whole problem with Trump the whole time was never the ethics or the whatever horse trading or whatever you want to call it? It was always that he wasn't quite classy enough. That was a huge problem. Yes, the way he spoke, he was gauche. Yes, absolutely. It was déclassé. He 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 couldn't enunciate. He spoke in his harsh accent. He wasn't eloquent when he spoke. He didn't uh, he wasn't professorial like Obama, who gave them a lecture, who gave them a a a um, a, a a course lecture when he would speak to them. He would talk about the issues and how the issues, what the origins of the issues. And some people want me to do this, and some people want me to do this. And it, and and he would take Obama eleven minutes to answer a question, you know. Mm-hmm. And they liked being talked to. Oh, we're learning something here. Oh, he's a <laughs> constitutional professor. Did you know that? Wow, thank you so much. And so this is what you get. It's all craven. All of this inside politicking, the maneuvers here, are all craven. 
And she's just Saki is exactly what I thought. She's a mediocre, <clears throat> um, forked tongue press secretary, and and I don't care because they're all going to be. Mm-hmm. And but if you have the media telling you no, it's, it's different now. Truth is back. Transparency's back. No, this is different. This is good. Look at her go. Yeah, Jen. That's right. Saki bomb. Yeah. And to, to, to like, oh, Saki crushes reporter who asks this question. <laughs> why would she, And you have people on social media saying, why would that reporter ask that question? Like, well, because we're supposed to be pretending here we're interested in transparency, transparency <laughs> and accountability from the administration. There's a meaning for this. You ask a question in the answer, in the formulated, contrived um, you know, synthetic answer that they carefully put together, which is usually a non-answer, somewhere in there you can pick out little bits of data that you can use and, to, you know, to vet the validity and credibility of the answer. That's the idea. But, but they- this is just like a stick it. How so? When the press is like, well, what about hiring all these people that are like the children of your advisors? And Saki's like, nope. We're the most ethical administration in history. Like, offers nothing, says nothing. Like, just well, right. It's like a screw you. Like, Yo, it's a, it's a total show of disrespect. Tough luck to you. Yeah, it's a total show of disrespect. Now, yeah, I'm not really even going to bother to try to approach the question. Mm-hmm. I'm giving you the talking points. I respect you so little. <laughs> I fear you so little that I'm just going to say what I want to say, and you're going to take it and you're going to leave. Because do you want the last guy? Is that what you want? Can you live with that in your conscience? And dummies like Olivia Nuzzi and others will say, no, no, we don't. We want good guys again. Make us feel good. And that's what we have. All right, Alice. I didn't want to have to do it. But, oh, first of all, did you want to explain and apologize uh, in front of the audience for uh, your crimes? (laughs) What crimes did I do now? Dateline (laughs) Mystic Connecticut. Old Mystic, a barroom called the Jealous Monk. Mm-hmm. Well, you and your husband, uh, you and your uh, children uh, availed themselves of the luxurious uh, hotel amenities. Yes, I had all four kids in the hotel pool by myself. You making uh, sure they didn't swam comfortably. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, I have more than one uh, source that tells me you got a deep massage from a handsome pool boy no yes that's what my moles tell me (laughs) okay i've seen the tape the security tape and meanwhile i who was not given sustenance at all Mm -hmm. went across the street to have a lager and look at the ball match and uh you had stolen my bank card (laughs) no i had not so i asked it mine had been rejected due to fraud so i had Mm -hmm. used yours with your permission and approval at the store Mm-hmm. And I brought it back to the hotel room where it was. Brought it back to the hotel room. No, it was in Tom Shattuck's <laughs> possession. And then it was not. So, so then yeah, I went because to the you gave it to me. As you were working on your you second hour at the pool back. across the street. You could have taken it back. It was never presented to my person. Okay, you could have taken it back. So then I sent you a message at, at uh, 8.21 primary. <laughs> okay. I had realized that I had ordered two beers, expensive beers, at the mm-hmm. Jealous Monk. I and was in so the pool trying to prevent I, of course, called you and our of children cor- from drowning. I, of co- 
Uh, it's to defend the prosecution is not resting. <laughs> okay. I, of course, called you. Mm-hmm. And as usual, you did not answer. I didn't hear you because right. the Lego movie was being blasted into my ears. At the the old Lego movie defense. <laughs> uh-huh. Talk about craving. And then finally, I texted you. Mm-hmm. Please call me now. I have no bank card and I'm across the street, a jealous monk with a tab. It was appro- nine o'clock is when the place closes. It's approaching closing time. I realize mm-hmm. now I've got no money because my bank card is the only card I brought. And I'm a fraud here. I'm in the middle of a Ponzi scheme because I'm ordering <laughs> beers here knowing I have no money. I need to get it covered. Okay. So then I, after you ignored that plea, that, that desperate, uh, uh, Titanic SOS message. <laughs> I sent it again, the same exact one. Mm-hmm. Please call me now. I have no bank card, and I'm across the street at the Jealous Monk with a tab. Mm-hmm. Nothing. <laughs> okay. And so, at this point, I figured, okay, she's being negligent with her cell phone. Uh, no matter where she is, it's approaching nine o'clock. And I said, you know what? She's probably gone back to the room. Let me go back. To the old ways. Mm -hmm. So I called the hotel. I asked for the room. Mm -hmm. They called our room. Mm -hmm. You answered, hello? (laughs) (coughs) Meanwhile, I had just To which I now said. To which I now said. uh, Oh, well. To which I now said. Please, uh, I'm across the street. At the Jealous Monk, I have no money. Can you please help? Can you run over here? Just leave the kids there, mm-hmm. four of them. There's a 10-year-old or an 11-year-old, whatever she is now involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and come over and just bring my bank card, please. Because now I've got the tab now sitting in front of me. Witching hour is approaching. The moment of truth is approaching. At some point, I'm going to have to tell the guy, yeah, I know I've been uh, ordering these, but I actually have no money. <laughs> this is just something I do. <laughs> and, and you get... Uh, you sniff at me on the phone, and you were miffed, and you- I was uh, miffed. Uh, uh, and, and you took your time, of course. Meanwhile, they're starting to mop up the place. I took my now- time. Well, I couldn't go there in my swimsuit. Hold they the- wouldn't let me oh, in, no. so I had you to put on a cover-up. You don't know that I that's true. I had to put on a cover-up oh, over my women, bathing suit. All the women in the bar were in their swimsuits. <laughs> so then I desperately- uh, I desperately texted- Come quickly. They're about to close. Then a follow-up text. Take the car. Needless to say, as they're blowing out the last candle, as the as the, the they call the guard now, and I am about to be handcuffed, last <laughs> not, second, Alice Shattuck, not smiling, shows up with two kids, uh, she lets me know how, how, that they're very wet from being in the pool still, is angry at me, and hands me my card and said, Goodbye. And storms out with the kids because she was angry that I had the tenacity to ask, to the temerity, to dare ask my wife to bring over mm-hmm. a bank card. And she yelled at me and railed at me and threatened divorce. I rest my case. I did case. not threaten divorce, first of all. But I had been struggling against four children at the pool for two hours. Finally, I dragged them all away from the pool with all their little stuff and their towels and the floaties and this and that. Dragged them all back to the hotel room. I'm exhausted. Ethics experts have told us that we're the most struggling of the people. mm -hmm, 
my arms literally hurt from uh, the five-year-old trying to get away from me the entire two hours in the pool and trying to drown himself every three seconds away <laughs> from me. And we arrived back at the hotel room. I'm soaking wet in just my swimsuit. My mascara is dripping down my face because we had just recorded the podcast immediately before I went to the pool. So I had makeup on Mm -hmm. still. So I have mascara dripping down my face. I'm soaking wet. The room phone rings and Tom is demanding that I go to a bar immediately. It's about to close. I have to bring his bank card. So I threw clothes on the two youngest kids because I cannot trust them alone in the hotel room with the older kids. They... 100% 100% will escape from the hotel room and be roaming the halls when I get back. I grabbed them both. You told me it was just across the street, so I assumed I could walk there. By the time you texted me to take the car, it was already I had already left because I was rushing to get to you. I'm just in a swimsuit cover-up, again, soaking wet. I would suggest with to my the court that all, all, of this, all of the trappings of the pool are things that happened with the pool, and one should not have been surprised to have been soaking wet <laughs> after the pool for two hours. I was surprised to be asked to go to a bar soaking wet. Well, that's what that's where the beer is, Alice. (laughs) That's right. So my suggestion would be just one, either make sure you have your card and figure out where it is before you leave for the bar. I did, but somebody else's card was impotent. So I had to use it because and I didn't complain. I happily brought you my card because I'm a good person. Yeah. When I went to the store to buy vodka for you. You did let How me. Dare you you. Did, you did, How dare you? How dare you tell these people me, about me? You did let me take your bank card to go buy vodka for you because <laughs> mine had, had fraud on it and was rejected. Yes. Wow. Thank and you, And did honey. we come back with only vodka, dearest Alice? <laughs> no. What else did we come back with? We came back with seltzers. We came back with seltzers. That's True. right. But those were I- Alice's <laughs> seltzers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You drink some too. Um, so- I was forced to go to the bar room. Okay. So here are my suggestions to you in the future: either make sure. Why you- am I in being? Ta- <laughs> make you, sure you we- have your card before you leave. We took an oath. That one of the bullet points was: if I'm stuck at the bar without plastic, you have to come get me. I did come get you. I, we had just gotten out of the pool. You're acting like it was a burning building. Just try. The embers still fresh on our clothes as we crawled over to you. As you were uh, surrounded by harlots and just, cocaine. and Just try having and, your card. Or you could see if they would take it over the phone, if they would enter the number, if I told them the number over the phone. Or you could have said, what? look, I'm going to leave take my it phone the, here with you. You, you and don't run- do that. You don't... Guys, th- this is just as good as you having the card. My wife's going to give you a number. Don't trust me on this. <laughs> or you could so, say, so you, you are, could leave your you phone with them so, there and say that you're you going to run back to your hotel and get your card. Since I'm sure your phone is worth more than your bar tab, you could have left it there with them. <laughs> well, knowing my vodka, who knows? <laughs> and come back, right? That's also a possibility. What? Else, <laughs> I'm, just I'm 74 years old. I don't say, Duke, you know, watch my phone for a bit. I'll come over and I'll be right back with a card for you. No, or God forbid. I mean, my what would wife, you have done if you were in your single days? I just screwed out of there. Just ran. <laughs> I'm too fat now. All right. So okay, I, apology well, accepted. So that is what, if you're wondering what is on our burn barrel uh, Twitter. That's what happened, and that's what Alice did. And was we it, would was welcome it, your um, was it a high crime on in, who, in the marriage? Was it a high crime? Okay. I would say yes. 
a jury of our listeners I would can, say uh, yes. can decide here who is in the right. I did come and rescue you, but I was not pleased about it because You I were felt... salty and hurtful. Well, you didn't even say thank you when I ran over to the bar with two little kids still in my bathing suit to rescue you from your predicament that you put yourself in. Say thank and you. You didn't even thank me. And like it, it needless to say, Alice, these are some of the things that these are built into the marriage. And then you demanded I wait for you standing there in the bar with the three year old and the five year old as you finished your beer and took your time <laughs> getting yourself organized to get out of there. It's like excuse I, me, this what is, is not this? True. This is horrific. All right. But it doesn't really matter, Alice, because you're a racist, and you're about to find out why. From the Washington Post-Gazette, Shinbun in Washington, District of Columbia, here is the Washington Post new anti-racist training, part of the series they're doing. And I don't really know what to say about this, um, other than the fact that the Post is carrying this, and it's part of a series and that human beings are uttering these words means that we need to um, fire up the wave motion gun <laughs> and press the shoot button and destroy this earth. We need to be destroyed as a planet. Racism, racialization, white body supremacy is not episodic, it's structural. Remember that there were um, thousands of George Floyd before the one that you saw. That's not true. No. That's not true. And by the way, uh, the George Floyd situation, we have no reason to believe it was race. But but except the fact it's not episodic, it's structural. So everything is race. It doesn't matter. This guy's sick. It's fine. Your bodily response to this this horror, right, is not the same thing as you dealing with the structural aspects of this. George Floyd's death became a deeply personal... I'm willing to deal with these structural aspects yeah, so of racial inequality. So I'm not going to say the structural aspects of structural racism, because that doesn't exist anymore. That's been legislated out of existence. Right. But, uh, yes, For absolutely. Example, the minimum Paul's- wage. I, mm-hmm. I think we should push back against jacking up the minimum wage, because it's an obstruction to young people, young people in marginalized communities, of getting their first job and job experience and learning skills so that they can flourish in careers. Right, or like Rand Paul's Breonna Taylor bill mm-hmm. against no-knock raids that literally had Breonna Taylor's name on it and would have prevented the situation which killed Breonna Taylor. But no, 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 we're not interested in solutions like that that actually solve the problems that we're talking about here. We're interested in solutions that cannot be attained. <laughs> but, but the painful, excruciating uh, display of trying to, of acting out, of of exhibiting um, uh, this sullen um, suffering on behalf of our built-in sins, mm-hmm. that's so. That's the day-to-day action item. Well, we're never going to get to the mountaintop, but we have to show that we're hurting as we try. That's the exercise we have to do. Because all this constructed horse bleep um, is something that is built in and is too deep. So the least we can do is empathize and apologize and learn and put the work in. This is all, of course, there's nothing to this. And real people, serious people, don't believe this stuff. This is not, if you have a life and things to do and are trying to live a productive life that just by default will um, benefit other lives, Mm -hmm. just by being a consumer of goods and services 
or a conscientious, conscientious uh, member of the community or even being uh, somewhat benevolent because of your hard work. All of these other things, I guess that's whiteness, whatever it is, uh, you know, that's not enough. That's living a good life, a a a, a Judeo Christian, stable life. In in, in uh, being civil to your fellow man is not enough. No, Mm-mm. this is about something much bigger than that. and racial tragedy for many Americans. For the first time, white people were becoming aware of their whiteness and the systemic. <clears throat> This is what you, this is what happens. This is what happens when you put fun names on new holidays and and repaint public squares with murals, and um, and pat yourselves in the back and pretend a watershed moment has happened. Right. This is what happens for the first time. They're noticing their whiteness for the first time. White people are coming to grip with how much they suck for the first time. Finally, we're seeing that there's nothing new that's happened in the last. Uh, year and a half as far as a thought exercise whatsoever Mm-mm. whatsoever you've gotten more spineless weakling uh quizlings to to perform to save themselves and you know to be champions of facebook community pages but that's it we've done all bad things so she this person should shut the f up and she should listen it to the community, and she should look at what's really happening there. Because for the first time in forever, um, we've now hit reverse on the prog- uh, pros- progress of race relations and in the in, in the um, livelihood of blacks. And that was man-made. It didn't have to be. But systems of idiocy have caused this. And evangelists of these kind of systems, like this jackass guy and this woman evangelists of these these people are the guilty parties in this and they are absolutely responsible for taking a big step back and booting um people in black communities down the stairs you know a a couple of stories stairs which it took them a long time to climb right and i don't even get like what the supposed goal of this is oh finally white people are beginning to wake up to their white identity and and really identify more with their whiteness like wait what why would that be something we would want if we supposedly (laughs) want more racial harmony like i don't i literally just don't get it I don't get how that could possibly be a good thing by any measure, you know, and I, you know, for a while when it was all like black identity and blackness and black is beautiful and and black identity movements and black nationalism and all this stuff like, okay, like and they were kind of saying, well, that's different because, you know, they're oppressed. So they need this and like white identity movements are different and white identity movements are bad. But now they're literally saying like white people should like identify more with whiteness and like think more about how white they are all the time and like look at this as their as an important part of who they are their whiteness like i don't see why that would be a good idea and why we're doing while we're doing this and having these conversations about whiteness and the work we have to put it in spaces and this and that (laughs) we've had a, a spate of people shot over the weekend black people shot by black people again and again and again and again so and I know this oversimplifies it. So what is it about these people who are shot and murdered in the streets that isn't worth talking about? 
how come we don't have a uh, reckoning over that, an epiphany over well, that? Well, they were killed by white supremacy, obviously. Well, that would be... Operating through the systems. So to fix the systems, we need white people to sit around and think more about white supremacy instead of actually fixing the systems like the teachers unions or like school choice mm -hmm. or any of these things you know that could solve some of these problems we can't do that we have to to the cast off mike can you hear me yes do i sound different i feel feel like i lost some octane oh i think you came back though to cast off to cast off i don't know what happened hold on right here tom t-dog check 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 to cast off the systems maybe i changed it to cast off the systems of oppression and white supremacy that have burdened and compromised the uh, black community, they are voting again and again for the same people who have implemented and installed those systems. Again and again and again. Yeah, but they're thinking that the reason why the systems are racist is not like actual policy proposals but the fact that someone somewhere is thinking bad thoughts about black people. Hmm. Okay. Ways that white supremacy affects all of us. White people in particular. White supremacy, <laughs> unless it's changed terms. I don't know if it, it has. has. Okay, okay. So, okay, fine. In, in, <laughs> fine. in the same way that, um, that crazy Jane's, uh, Jane's crazy mixed up salt has affected all of us. <laughs> Sure, I guess so. In the same way that color TV has affected all of us. Get aroused, get upset, say this is unjust, this isn't right, this shouldn't happen. There's like an awakening that happens. And so part of their racial identity development is seeing that (laughs) awakening. What they do with it is really the next piece of it. In this episode, we're tackling white racial identity and why understanding your whiteness is integral to becoming self-aware as a white person. I'm Nicole Ellis. And this is the new normal. This could also have been produced by a neo-Nazi group, you realize. Today we're exploring white identity and why whiteness is an integral part of who you are as a person. Like, what's the difference between that and like, you know, one of these actual, if small, white supremacist groups, what they would say? Oh, totally. Like, literally nothing about that. That's exactly what a neo-Nazi would say. That's what we all thought was a bad thing to say until, like, the past year. By the way, I'd like to apologize for my appearance. I was out vacuuming vacuuming (laughs) the lawn. I was mowing the lawn in 90-degree heat for one hour, and I am very grubby, and we have (coughs) no time. I had no time to take a shower because we get that, and then I've got a meeting, and then I'll have to shower before the meeting. I've got to do that. Okay. Then Alice has to go to the um, the, uh, the warehouse for the, the second to last time. Warehouse for the second to last time, and uh, then I'm going to reconnoiter with my brother. And uh, <sighs> that's that. Here we go. Smaller town in Oklahoma. Whiteness was the default, and whiteness was the comfort. Part of. <laughs> <laughs> It's all it's all scat. Just throw it against. Just say a different word. Turn, throw them out there. Right, this was the default. It's a, it's the spaces felt seen, heard, don't unsee me. Erasure. God, can you imagine how 
freaking dull these people are. Can you imagine? You know, just just limit your vocabulary to the 26 woke words and you say it and feel good and I'll respond with my 26 woke words and then we'll have this weird patty cake of wokeness together and both feel like we're better human beings. Mm -hmm. Especially if you call yourself an a-hole the whole time. That way you're putting the work in. The structure of racism in the way that it's maintained is to keep us from recognizing that racism. That's funny. Is it you could not find a set of people, a niche group of people so obsessed with race in every corner of their lives at a time when there is less racism ever in the history of the civilization. If you're in America right now, there is less racism, there is more paths to fruitfulness and more opportunities for every American. Now, you've picked the wrong time. 21st century America is literally probably the most racist human society on the history of, in the history of planet Earth. You say racist? Is the least racist right. human. If I said racist, most, most of the uh, But it's the least racist society in the history, in human <coughs> history. Right? Like, well, what? Well, it matters. Not if you ask Ibram X. Kendi. Be- but how is that possible? What pos- What could no. you possibly point to that was less racist than right now? Well, well I mean, we're now teaching this racism in colleges. Mm. So, in a way, the racism that we're thinking, the, the Jim Crow, the, 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 the black slave racism that we're thinking, let's just, that part of it right now. Yes, there, absolutely, that's true. But there is a new cottage industry in the new racism, mm-hmm. uh, which is being proudly... Uh, championed, which is insane. I had callers today in WTIC, by the way, I'll be there mm-hmm. tomorrow for 10 to 2, um, m- mentioning this, saying that this is absolutely just BS. This doesn't really exist. People don't really... this. The fact that they've had to retreat to the idea that it's not episodic, it's systemic, that tells you that it's over. The game is over. The stadium lights are off. The crowd has the gate. It's over. Sorry, if you have to go to systemic, then you we're no longer talking about um, DefCon One. We're talking about other sure societal, political, cultural issues that uh, lead to inequ- inequities. <laughs> sure, and you can go through those. But unfortunately, I hate to break your heart. It's it ain't racism anymore. I would agree with that. But they don't actually want to solve those other <clears throat> systemic, quote-unquote, problems that are actually causing inequities. So you're saying this movement is not about helping black people? No. No. it's about. They'll tell us what it's about in a minute. It's a part of our daily lives. And so it's a longer-term process of looking at your understanding of yourself in the world, both historically, but also contextually, the family you live in, the community you live in, and what role whiteness plays in that. The more you kind of dive into that, the more I'm really realizing how deeply rooted racism is into like my everyday thought process. No matter how much you work at that, there's still even almost more work to be done. Hmm. A living embodied. No matter how much you work at it. <laughs> there's, no, it just multiplies. 
the more you shouldn't that tell you that maybe this isn't the best process for getting rid of racism then in the world if the more you work at it the more racism pops up yeah so what is it can you can we forward fast forward to the end lesson is that maybe should i just be <laughs> killing myself is that because if it is just say it i'm not even offended as a matter of fact sometimes it seems palatable just say it anti-racist culture does not exist among white people white people got to start getting together specifically around race white accountability oh <laughs> god seems like a good time judging by you guys can you imagine this? Well, you know, unfortunately, white people are getting together specifically about race, and they have been doing it for a number of years, having little supper and wine clubs and talking about their privilege. Can you imagine? Yeah. Can you imagine? It less Our enjoyable. old town called it white people challenging racism, and it was <sighs> like they would get together. It cost money, too. You had to pay to be in it and talk to other white people about how racist you were. Are really helpful in terms of having a place to process, having... A group of people who's respond. Hey, uh, honey, <laughs> we're too busy working multiple jobs with a thousand things to do uh, than uh, to process your bulge. Okay, you have a place to process. Busy people don't have time to process stuff. Okay, <laughs> we're doing especially stuff. imaginary stuff. Right, you can sit around and, and find unicorns and jackalopes around every corner. I got stuff to do. We just got the window, the cracked window that was cracking from both ends that was about to meet in the middle, which I've never seen in my life. Uh, we just got that fixed, okay? That's what I'm doing while you're processing. Responsibility it is to call me on things or to challenge me. We're unpacking wrong. I want to get to the point in my life, Alice, where <laughs> I can use thing, terms like unpacking. Unpacking. Do you mean unpacking the stuff that we still haven't unpacked since we moved right, here? The, that right. kind of unpacking? Right. We did a little unpacking with uh, baby chickens last night. We can talk about that unpacking. Was that fun unpacking? By the way, did that, did that go out in the trash today? Mm -hmm. Good. That's good. Good. We've got Alice because um, she's a uh, devil witch. <laughs> ordered, <laughs> ordered a thousand more uh, baby chickens and... Um, because I thought, you know what? We need in our life, we have our bleep together so much that we need another challenge. I've been unpacking things all day and working on my uh, on my whiteness. And well, Tom is very <coughs> pleased. I'm sad, but Tom is pleased that unfortunately our shipment of chickens had a very high loss ratio in the shipment of chickens. So Nothing personal, chickens. It was not our fault. They You're were in a like that place. when You're they, in a better place they now, were chickens. like that when they got here. It happened during <coughs> shipping. Yes. But um They yeah. died so before they could be Tom, murdered by a hawk. Tom made me opt for a refund instead of a reshipment Correct. against my will. But I did it for you, honey. Things that we've been taught in history class, I realized that I needed to go back and unpack and Oh my god. reorganize everything that I had learned because it was completely why don't you go to a psychiatrist <laughs> and let them know that you're dramatically insane <laughs> and see and ask, and you may have to go to Eastern Europe for this, ask if they have Victorian era era uh, shock treatments available. <laughs> well, I go to a psychiatrist when you can use put it on a Washington Post video that the whole world will see, honey. I would be, if you went on this and talked about your whiteness and talked about all this stuff and how you could never undo it and anti-racist stuff, 
If you said unpacked twice like this, I'd be more ashamed about that. <laughs> you could confess to actually having sex with the lifeguard in, and I'd be less shocked and hurt than if you said unpacked <laughs> twice. Through a white lens, most of us in doing this work have experienced this where there's a period. Alice, we can't do this to ourselves. What are we doing to the audience? <laughs> we have to keep going. Oh, Stay God. strong, honey. Of deep shame oh, you know for being white Unpack and for truly. acknowledging <laughs> the harm that our ancestors oh. have caused. Did and you go through a phase a of deep shame, honey? Piece of this work, and we can't ask people of color to hold our hands through the shame piece. That needs to happen. Alice, you know, see, I was thinking that I was probably going to ask a person of color to <laughs> hold my hands through the shame piece. Where are you on that? <laughs> I will not be asking a person of color to hold my hand through um, the, the shame sh- of my process. I would never do piece. that. I would never do that to people of color. So you're going to unpack this alone. <laughs> no comment. With other white people. When you do that for one, two, three, four, five years, right? <laughs> years. You end up with actually a community that is aligned with it. Honey, I'll be back in three years. <laughs> I have to unpack, and I can't bring a black person with me and have them hold my hand. I have to unpack some things. In theory, that sounds like a good idea, but... Wait, wait a second. In in what theory does that sound like a good idea? I guess I'm curious to hear, like, what are some of the pitfalls or risks that you run if that's the only step you take? And also, why do you say such insane things back to back? The biggest answer is white people don't really understand racism. (laughs) Wait, what, what are you? Then why are you speaking? Shouldn't you be quietly unpacking in the corner? White people don't understand racism. Yes, I know, I don't. Because it's an ever-changing, make-believe uh, apparition. <laughs> so here's the thing, though, is it's like we're not allowed to ask BIPOC people to hold our hands, to hold our hands right. and explain racism to us. Mm-hmm. We can't put that burden on them mm-hmm. with everything they're going through. To right. uh, help us unpack our deep well, shame. Right. One of the reasons is and because of our whiteness, what could happen to them if they are holding right. our hands? I mean, we could hurt them just by being right. white near them. If a cop sees so- us holding a, a BIPOC person's hand, then they'll shoot the color, <laughs> the, the black person. So, but. That's in the manual, by the way. That. But then what she's saying now is that that leaves us with like a catch 22 because we can get together in our little group accountability groups of white people all we want, but we'll never really understand. And we're not allowed to ask the people of color to explain it to us. So, you know, they're there. So we have to be there stuck like a seized (laughs) engine from for three to five years. We have to hope that they take pity on us and take some time out of their day to explain to no, us. No, but they can't. We, they, we, they can't hold our hands. Well, so no, we, we can't. We can't ask on, them to hold our hands. We have to embark on a pilgrimage of fruitlessness. <laughs> we can't ask them to hold our hands, but they can, through the goodness of their heart, take pity on us, uh, evil white people, even though we don't deserve it, and explain some of the harm we're causing to us if we're lucky. So that we can start to maybe get an Here's inkling. Here's my privilege, Alice. Uh-huh. Harvard University Human Resources. Dear Tom, thank you for your interest in the position of Executive Director, Mosavar Ramani Center for Business and Government. We have reviewed your resume, and after careful consideration of your credentials, 
and our position requirements, we have decided not to move forward with your candidacy at this time. That is disappointing. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I was sniffing uh, this. I felt that I was there. I was this close. Actually, I've uh, seen an uptick recently in um, like very online young white men that are on Twitter mentioning that they have better luck getting jobs and stuff if they check off the other box for ethnicity nice and some of them are like well you know like is greek really white i don't know and i'll just check off other and like nobody's gonna ask you because everyone's scared to like do a microaggression by accident and i love it so maybe you should have been checking off other uh, other job my other stimmy my last stimmy Mm -hmm. dang we'll do that tomorrow you think yeah dang all right here we go. And so if I'm relying on other white people to teach me about racism, that can only go so far. I only best understand racism by talking to people who are directly impacted by racism from different perspectives. So in addition to having white accountability groups and white accountability buddies, it's also really important to have sustained and meaningful relationships with people of color. I don't have the ability to like inherently name things as upholding white supremacy or as being racist. My whiteness is going to show up at different points in my life and at different points in different relationships. But is it fair or healthy to be seeking out relationships with people just to have a diverse network? Because I feel like for people of color, you're kind of constantly trying to gauge whether or not it's worth it to be vulnerable or share how someone hurt you when your white colleagues or co How is this wacko universe expanding still? There's a different so we're in a new place for my friends of color to be in relationship with me. So I think one of the things that's really important is ongoing being a friend on an ongoing basis. For- Who is the middle-aged psycho white woman from Queens yet? <laughs> Put some piano under her. I don't know that she's a buoyant enough. I love that she's like, it's a lot to ask people of color to be friends with me. <laughs> I'm really hateable. I don't have much of a sense of humor. I would say I'm not reliable, trustworthy, or punctual, mostly. For lots of different things, not just like thinking about racism as a part of our friendship when there's something horrible that happens. I hope to God at, that at these meetings where they all discuss their, how terrible they are, that somebody plays in the macabre piano. (laughs) Those relationships are, number one, for me to... What is um, that song exactly? for them, as them for me. There's nothing more upbeat and happier that you can play? (laughs) It's a a relationship, and so it should be reciprocal, but also so that I have a broader understanding of the world. Everything I thought about how I existed in my white body in the world was very wrong. (laughs) And I needed this new lens to see the world through. So I think that... So do you and your white body now think that the place you're at right now is a good place? Because it is not a good place. You are an unrelatable psychotic That's been a big piece of my own work. We're going to continue to cover topics like this in the coming weeks. So stay tuned. For more stories like this one, follow The Lily on Instagram. Thank you so much, everybody. We did not get to 
what's his name? White House's uh, Sheldon White all House. white. Sheldon White House's all white beach club that he goes to. Uh, Back in but- 2017, you had expressed concerns about the membership of the all white Bailey's Beach Club. Said that you hoped it would become more diverse. Now your family's been members. Your wife is one of the largest shareholders. Has there been any traction in that? Are there any minority members of the club now? I think the people who are running the place are still working on that. I'm sorry it hasn't happened yet. Um, do you have concerns in 2021? I mean, obviously, it's been four years. You had remarks on the floor following the deaths of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd saying, you know, hoping to root out systemic racism in the country. Um, your thoughts on an elite, all-white, wealthy club, again, in this day and age, um, you know, should these clubs continue to exist? It's a long tradition in Rhode Island, and there are many of them. Uh, I think we just need to work our way through the issues. Thank you. Oh, the long tradition loophole. I see. I can go to the no blacks allowed in (laughs) club because it's a long tradition in Rhode Mm. Island. Well, at least they got rid of the name plantation in front of Rhode Island. Mm -hmm. All is good. That's fine. I'm going to the club. You can't come if you're Maybe black. Maybe they can turn it into a white accountability group, and then it will be fine that it doesn't allow black people in, so they can sit around and talk about their racism together. They just can't seem to make that place except blacks. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> it's weird. His We're wife, all the elect- he's a senator of the United States, and his wife is like on the board of the thing, and they just can't. You know, it's really hard to let blacks if it there's takes one thing a that few 20, decades there's to get that There's one thing that the Great Reckoning has told us uh, is that... Uh, Long traditions are things that can't be tampered with, whether they come in the form of uh, sayings, language, symbols, or statues. You know, uh, that's the one thing I've learned. All I know is that Sheldon Whitehouse can go to his all-white, no-blacks-allowed-in-the-door club and feel good about him because he's a good liberal. Thank you so much, everybody. Uh, find us at burnbarrelpodcast.com, on Twitter at burnbarrelpod, facebook.com slash burnbarrelpodcast. Just send us an email if you want. That's burnbarrelpodcast at gmail.com. Or if you prefer to watch the podcast as a video, you can find us on YouTube. We are Tom Shaddock's Burn Barrel on there. Uh, you can like, you can comment. If you happen to listen on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. That's always helpful. Thanks so much, as always, for listening, everybody. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.